Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Continuing in our series of the Fruit of the Spirit, how many of you know God's called us to live by the Spirit? Amen. And uh, to live according uh, to the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to experience the fulfillment of what God has intended and purposed for our lives. And so uh, we're going to pick up in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16 through 26. I've got several scriptures that I want to read this morning. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'll give them to you if you're taking notes. And you can read them at home this week or later on today. You can dive in deep with the Holy Spirit and uh, talk to Him about those, but a couple of them I will read. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Would you stand with me this morning as we read the word? Can we just, uh, can we do that together today? This is what it says. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every parts of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word of God today. And Lord, we're standing this morning in holy reverence to the Word of God. Lord, into this moment, God, as we step into uh, this portion of our time together with you, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come as you already have and to have your way uh, in this time. Lord, I pray that the words that uh, are read from your Word, the words that are spoken today, that God, they truly would be from you. That Lord, our hearts and our minds would be open to receive the word of God today, that Holy Spirit, you would reveal yourself to us, that God, we would hear from heaven, and that Lord, more than anything, that we would be transformed, that we would be renewed, that we would be refreshed by the power and by the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, have your way in this house. Have your way in our lives. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So I want to, uh, I want to, I want to dive a little deeper uh, this morning into this message. And so we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The next fruit on our list is gentleness. And uh, we're talking about uh, the effects of, of this in our lives. And I think so many times when we think about uh, gentleness, we, we oftentimes think that gentleness means uh, that gentleness means that we meet someone that, that's kind of more timid or more quiet or more reserved or uh, they're a little more... Uh, they're a little more... Um, indirect than what some people may be. They're not in your face. They're not, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You, you know some people that you, you know they're there when they walk into the building. Um, you can hear them. 
you know, you can hear them laugh from a mile away. You're like, oh, so-and-so's here, you know, and uh, they're just loud. They're just, uh, they're just, that's their personality. That's who they are. Uh, I love those kind of people. They're an extrovert by nature. I'm the same way. I love people. I love people. Love to be with people. I come alive when I'm around people. Uh, I love it. It drives my wife crazy sometimes, but I love it. And so uh, that's how COVID was, was horrible for me, is horrible for me when I have to quarantine. Uh, somebody would show up to our house and drop off food and ring the doorbell. And, of course, they would run as far away from our front door as they could. But I would also run to our front door as fast as I could just for a moment to see someone uh, just because it had been so long that I'd been in captivity. And my wife, says, my wife said to me, she said, I am someone. And I said, I know, but it's just us. And, uh, and uh, I haven't seen people. And uh, she says, I am a people. And I said, I know, I know. But we're together all the time. I want to see other people. And they won't let me out of this house, even though I don't have COVID. You have COVID. I don't, but I have to stay. And so it's, it's hard. Uh, it's hard on extroverts. But you know those people, they're just loud. They're just full of life, full of energy. They scare introverts sometimes. Um, and uh, introverts, they, can, they tend to be more quiet. They tend to be more reserved. Um, and, and they can be misunderstood sometimes. Um, introverts can be misunderstood to be people um, who are so gentle that they're, uh, that they're more on the weaker side of things, that they're perceived differently. And that couldn't be more of an understatement because uh, if you mess with an introvert, you'll find out just how strong they are. You'll find that extroverts are usually a lot of bark with not as much bite. Introverts, when they bark, they bite at the same time. That's just the same. That's just what's true. So, right? Right? Am I right? Introverts, am I right? Yeah. You mess with, they mess with your babies. They mess with, you know, they go from introvert, quiet, seem that they're just as gentle, couldn't hurt a fly, to they will take your head off in the name of Jesus. And so... um, Anyway, so we, we think of gentleness, and when we think of gentleness, we think, oh, wow, you know. But gentleness, especially in the Word of God, and when we're talking about it in the terms of the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness is actually defined in the Greek as meekness. Um, we translate it into our English definition, our English word, as, as gentleness. And so that's why in some translations you'll read meekness. It's actually, that's the, the definition, the meaning of that in the Greek. Uh, in other translations, you'll read gentleness. And so the reason for those interchangeable is because what meekness is in the Greek, as it's defined, is it's God's power uh, submitted to God's authority. It's God's power submitted to God's authority. And so it's just like the best, the best illustration we have of meekness and action in the Word of God is Jesus Christ himself. Because he was both fully God and he was fully man. And he had all the power and he had all the authority. Uh, In fact, he was even tempted on a couple of occasions by the enemy himself and by those who were also in authority uh, to exercise his authority. To exercise the power, the strength that he had, but he refused to do so. And the reason that he refused to do so was because his power was submitted to the Lord. Um, and so Jesus, Jesus, and we see that, and, and the best revelation of that comes from before Jesus was betrayed, on the night that he was betrayed, we know that he had the Last Supper, he washed the disciples' feet, notice that Jesus was a servant, I should say Jesus is a servant, and he's called us to be the same, uh, tell your neighbor, you gotta serve, tell your neighbor, you gotta serve. Well, you've preached less and less with me on that one. Tell them, you got to serve. Love is serving. If you're married, if you have children, you know know all about love. And you know all about serving, right? 
Why? Because you're constantly giving of yourself. Serving is a sacrifice. Love is a sacrifice. So Jesus served. He showed them, in, in John chapter 13, it says he showed them the full extent of his love. He washed their feet. He broke bread. He, he, he shared the cup, which is where we have communion, why we, we regularly partake in communion as believers and corporately and individually. And then he went from that time that he had with them to the garden to pray. And when he went to pray, this was a moment where we see the meekness of Christ in full effect and full display because he said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Um, tell your neighbor, it's not about your will. Oh, pastor, I didn't come to church to hear that today. That is not what I came. I can't, that is not, I do not want to hear that message this morning. Um, it, it's not. Um, our lives as believers uh, have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we're now part of the family of God. We're now part of the mission of God, of the purpose of God in our lives. And so our life is really, uh, when we come to a place of full surrender with the Lord, our life really is no longer our own. Our life belongs to the Lord. And understanding that and having a revelation of that really frees us when we're going through trials and tribulations, when we're going through uh, seasons and times of suffering. Because if anybody told you that being saved and being a believer means that you aren't going to suffer, they lied to you. They lied to you. Uh, you will suffer. In fact, there's a good chance that you might suffer more than what other people do who don't know Jesus. Um, the difference is the suffering, because the suffering that we have is not a suffering without hope. It's not a suffering without promise. Uh, it's a suffering that has peace in the middle of it all, that has joy in the middle of it all, that has all of these things because of who God is and because of what God does. But we see Jesus in this moment submit himself to the Lord. He submits his will. He submits the power and the authority that had been granted to him by God as a son of God, as a child of God, ultimately submitted to the Lord. And he submits that, and he teaches us as the church and as believers the importance of that. And so the fruit of the Spirit, we talk about all of these things, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And I still believe that the Lord had Paul write those in the order that he did because I believe they build on each other. Um, I, I just I firmly believe that. I believe without understanding the faithfulness of God, without understanding the goodness of God, that we can never walk in the meekness that God calls us to, uh, because we will want to exercise the authority and the power that God gives us to our own benefit. You ever wanted to do that? You ever tried to tell God how to do it? Mm, it's bad news. It's like a child trying to tell their parent how to do it. Or a husband trying to tell their wife how to Okay, so I'm not going there. All right, so, no, so, <laughs> I'm staying out of trouble today. All right, so we go into the gentleness and the meekness that God has established for us, right? And so what happens is Jesus shows us what it means to submit to the will of God, to submit to the authority that God has given us. And what happens when we live a life that's submitted to the will of God is we position ourselves to experience the fulfillment of His plan, of His purpose, of His promise, of His benefits for our life. And it's the reason why we talk about not living for ourselves this side of eternity and not allowing the situations or the circumstances that we're dealing with in our life today to define us or to determine for us what our future is. The ultimate, uh, the ultimate truth and reality is that Jesus is the one who is the author of our faith, and Jesus is the one who finishes it. Amen? So when my faith and my hope 
when, when my life is anchored in Christ, then it positions me to experience the blessings and the benefits and the purposes that God has for me. So in the fruit of the Spirit, when it comes to meekness, the thing that's so crucial, the thing that's so critical about this for us as believers is that we understand that meekness is about being submitted to the Lord. You've got to be submitted. Tell your neighbor, you've got to be submitted. We live in a country that's all about freedom, Right? I'm thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy. I'm thankful for one that we exercise on a regular basis to be able to gather together to worship the Lord without fear of persecution, without fear of retribution because of the actions and the times that we have. I'm thankful, thankful for our freedoms. Uh, but there's, there's an important thing for us to understand as the church and as believers, and that's realizing uh, that, that the freedom that God has given us is not a freedom for us to just do as we please. It's a freedom to fulfill what God ultimately has purposed and what God ultimately has planned for our lives, but not just for this side of, e of eternity, but the other side as well. And that's why you hear me say all the time, I'm not living for today, I'm living for eternity. The decisions that I make today aren't just about today. They're not even about next week. Honestly, they're not about 20 years from now because you and I don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now. We don't even know if we'll be here 20 years from now. For all we know, the rapture could happen at the end of the day, and we could be in eternity with Jesus forever. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on now. To be in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever, to watch Jesus kick the devil's butt once and for all. Come on. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's do it. So what happens in my life as a believer is I get caught up in how the rest of the world lives, right? And the enemy, through his temptations, through his lies, through his fear, through his deceit, through his worry, tries to get me so fixed and so focused on what's going on around me that I stop listening to the Holy Spirit, that I stop reading the Word of God, that I stop focusing my attention on the Lord and fixing my eyes on Him and realizing that even when things don't go the way that I thought they would, even when things didn't go the way that I prayed they would, even when things are going opposite of what I believed or had envisioned or had hoped or had prayed or felt like the Lord had said, when all of that changes and all of that's different, at the end of the day, my trust is still fixed in the Lord. My hope is still fixed in Jesus because my life is submitted to Him. It's no longer my will be done, but God's. And one of the biggest things that thwarts us from experiencing, I believe, the glory of God, the miraculous things of heaven, the, the outpourings of God's Spirit, the revelations that God has for us, is because too many times we want God to do our will. God, my will be done. Instead of, Lord, your will be done. That's a, hard prayer to That's a hard prayer to pray. Let me say it this way. It's an easy prayer to pray. It's a hard prayer to live. You know, we got to live our prayers. You know, so many times we're like, well, I prayed it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. Okay, well, now you have to live like you're saved. Amen? Right? And let me tell you, there are some days that it's not easy to live like you're saved. I know. Right? There's some days that I have to remind myself, um, <clears throat> that's not how Jesus called you to do that. You ain't supposed to be acting that way. You aren't supposed to be carrying on that way. You better stop yourself. Why? Because the Holy Spirit that God has given us is calling us to the higher level that God has purposed for us. And each day we're being transformed more and more into the likeness of God. So gentleness, meekness, I'm going to use those words interchangeably today. The gentleness of God, the meekness of God does some incredible things in our life as a believer and are critical to us living by the Spirit and not according to the flesh. So the first thing I want to share with us this morning is number one, gentleness is humility in action. Tell your neighbor you got to be humble. It's easier to tell somebody else that, isn't it? 
See, some of us couldn't hear our neighbor telling us to be humble because we were telling them. Hmm. You better be humble. You need to walk in humility. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I need to be humble. Yeah, there was a difference in the tone in the room. Did you hear that? The tone was higher the first time around. The tone was lower that time. Why? Because the focus is off of you. The focus is on me. Too many times we're worried about everybody else and not ourselves. I got, I, listen, listen, I can't be worried. I, I, me and Jesus are trying to walk this thing out every day. I don't have time to try to figure out what's wrong with you. Isn't that what the Word said? Stop trying to worry about the speck in your brother's eye. Deal with the plank that's in your own. Oh, Right? Why? Because Jesus is trying to teach us the importance of what it is to walk in humility because we'll never walk in meekness if humbleness, if humility and, and, and walking in the, in the humble honor that God's called us to is in an action in our lives. If we don't walk in humility, we'll never be able to exercise the love of God, the power of God, the fulfillment of God's plans and purposes in our lives. This is, uh, this is what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 6 says. It says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. So many times we're trying to elevate ourselves to the places of honor. Right? So many times we're trying to achieve a certain level of success, or we're trying to reach a certain point, or we're trying to reach a certain place in our lives. And so we're praying and we're seeking the Lord, uh, but at the same time we're asking the Lord to, to answer our prayers our way. And what happens when we come to a point in our lives where we're operating in the meekness of the Spirit of God calls us to is saying, you know what, Lord, I know there's a way that I have this envisioned, and I know there's a way that I see this happening, and I know there's a way that I see all this coming about, but at the end of the day, it's not my will, it's yours. At the end of the day, it's not about what I see, it's about what you see. And so, Lord, I'm going to submit myself to you. And if this is where you've planted me, if this is where you've put me, if this is the season, if this is the place, if this is where I am, then, God, I submit myself to you because I know that your ways are higher. I know that your plans and your purposes are far greater. And I might not understand it. And the Lord knows there's a lot of people around me that don't understand it. But at the end of the day, I know what you've told me to do. I know what you've spoken. And so, Lord, I'm going to be faithful. And hear me, there's a lot of times in our life where God will call us to a season of waiting, where God will call us to a season of trusting Him, and it will not make sense. And it will be frustrating, and it will be hard, and it will be difficult. But hear me this morning, when you and I position ourselves to wait before the Lord, when you and I position ourselves to humble ourselves before God, we position ourselves to experience the power of God working in and through our lives in ways that never even seemed possible. I love this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Tell your neighbor, you're better than me. Tell your neighbor, you're better than me. Um, when we come at that from a place and we think of people truly as better than ourselves, and we truly mean that, uh, because there's a big difference between humility and false humility. False humility will wind you up in a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of disappointment, a whole lot of frustration, a whole lot of pain. True humility, when we, when we truly value others as better than ourselves, it really does position us. Because here, hear me, and we're talking about this in Philippians chapter 2 in these 11 verses, Jesus, Jesus was willing to pay the ultimate price for our lives. 
the Son of God was willing to pay my price for sin. He was willing to clear my debts. He was willing to take that on himself. And so the love that Jesus had for me, the love that Jesus has for you, the people around you, when you and I walk in that level of humility, when you and I walk in that level of honor, it opens the door for the anointing of God. It opens the door for the presence of God, for the word of God to operate in and through our lives in a way like never before. He uh, says this, he says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Mm. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself, not once but twice, to the point of becoming obedient to death on a cross, a criminal's punishment. Jesus took that on. So it's the humility that God calls us to, and that humility is gentleness, it's meekness and action uh, in our lives. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. James chapter 4, verse number 6, And he gives graciously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's a grace that comes from the Lord when we humble ourselves before him. And that humility is ultimately the meekness of God in action. Because what it means is that while we've been saved and we've been redeemed, uh, we've also been positioned with, with a prime opportunity to, to have the Spirit of God working in and through our lives. And we cannot do that when pride is at the center of what we do. We cannot do that when pride is at the center of what we do. Um, it... it, it if we're walking our, our life out every single day following Jesus, if we're in a relationship with the Lord, then humility should be at the center. Humility should be at the center of our lives uh, because it's who Jesus is. I mean, it's, it, it's the humility. For Jesus, the Son of God, the teacher that he was before he went to the cross, to get down on his knees and to wash the feet, uh, that was considered the lowest position of a servant uh, in those days. Um, they reserved that for they reserved that for the servants they didn't like. You ever been one of those? Um, and so uh, Jesus knows. And so he uh, <laughs> he uh, he found himself he found himself at this point where he was teaching his disciples the importance of understanding. You're going to walk in the power and the authority of heaven. You're going to have the power and the authority of heaven to bind things on earth, and as they're bound on earth, they'll be bound in heaven, and to loose things on earth, and as they're loosed on earth, to loose things in heaven. But if you are not willing to live with the mindset and the attitude of a servant, you will not be able to operate in these things. Because if we will not serve one another, how can we carry the gospel to the world? Tell your neighbor, i got to serve you i got to serve you. What happens when you and I serve one another is we show one another love. We show one another love. We show one another care. We show one another honor. And when we do that, it's amazing what that does in our life. So the meekness of God, the power of God, is that while I have the authority 
to, to pray for uh, God to do incredible things, miraculous things, wonderful things. I'm also the servant that God's called me to be, positioned in this season and in this hour to carry the gospel and to serve those that God has called me to serve and to walk in that humility that God has called me to. And that always positions us to experience the fulfillment of the power of God. Uh, we always get to experience the revelation of God's word and God's purposes uh, ultimately in our lives. I hate time. Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. It says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Um, tell your neighbor, put it in perspective. We've got to put our lives and we've got to put ourselves in perspective. Walking in that humility that God has called us to positions us to, to ultimately fulfill and, and ultimately bear the fruit that God has called us to, which is the meekness uh, of the Lord. The second thing about meekness or gentleness is that it's evidence of complete trust in God. I don't have time to read Psalm 37 today. Uh, but I challenge you to go home and read it. Uh, a couple of things. Verse number three, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Uh, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Uh, for the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Uh, even in famine, they will have more than enough. Uh, Stop fearing what's going on in the economy and stop fearing what's going on with the price of groceries and the price of fuel. Uh, you're not dependent upon yourself. Tell your neighbor, stop depending on yourself. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you stop working and that you stop. I, don't, don't leave church today and be like, well, pastor, pastor told me that I can depend on God. So I'm putting in my two weeks notice. And I'm going home. Hallelujah. That is not what I'm telling you. Okay? Uh, the Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Right? Um, God has given us gifts and talents and abilities to be able to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. But it's that while I, while I can easily in this world think, well, I need to do all of these things in order to increase the amount of provision that I have coming in. At the end of the day, are you doing what the Lord's told you to do? Are you working where the Lord's told you to work? Are you serving where the Lord's told you to serve? Are you being obedient to do what God has told you to do? And that's the first assessment. And if the answer to that is yes, then secondly, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. He is your provision. He will meet all of your needs. There may be some things that God has you cut back on. There may be some things that God has you change or that God has you do differently. Don't, don't worry about those things. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Be obedient in those moments and position yourself for the blessings of realizing that God is faithful to provide for His people. Even in famine, they'll have more than enough. Even in famine, they'll have more than enough. It goes back to what Jesus said. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. We worry about way more than that. God is my provider. And when I position myself in that way and I put my trust in the Lord, it's evidence of, the, of, of gentleness. It's evidence of meekness in my life because ultimately trust is not just about believing that God can do all of those things, but it's that I take myself out of the equation and trying to make it happen other than responding in obedience to what God has said. 
Because what happens when I step into the driver's seat or what happens when I take control is I make a mess of it. Every time. I make a mess of it. Why? Because it creates tension. It creates frustration. Here's the deal. If there's chaos in your marriage, chaos in your family, all these different things, and there's no peace, press into the, press into the presence of God. Well, Connor, I've prayed, and I'm not hearing anything from the Lord. Then fast. Did he just tell me not to eat? <laughs> we love to eat in the South. That's dangerous. Um, yeah, sometimes. Uh, sometimes we don't need. Sometimes we need to fast. There's a time. There's a moment. There's a place where the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking about it right now. Twelve o'clock. We'll start from twelve to one. We're gonna fast, right? Where we're gonna fast to position ourselves before the Lord. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but no, seriously, when it comes to that, Jesus fasted and prayed. And, uh, and, and before he ever launched into the, to the ministry that he had, he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. And then when the devil showed up and he said, you know, you turn these stones over here into bread. Let me tell you something. It had to be Jesus. Because if it had been me, I'd been like, thank you, Lord. Sister Schubert's rolls right there in the middle of the wilderness. Butter on top, fresh out of the oven, Right. You know, because that's how the devil works. The devil steps into the, point, to, to the points, to the moments in our life where we're seeking the Lord, where we're fasting, where we're praying, we're believing for the revelation of God, and he does whatever he can to get you and I to take our eyes off of Jesus, take our attention out of the word of God, and begin to shift it into a place where instead of putting our complete trust in the Lord, we begin to take matters into our own hands. If we're going to function and we're going to operate as spirit-led believers with the spirit of God at working in and through our lives, our will has to be submitted to the Lord. Our will has to be submitted to God and understanding that the reason, the reason that God has placed us and positioned us is not to fulfill our will or our desires, but ultimately His. And when we do that, ultimately He gives us the, gives us the desires of, his heart, of, his, of our heart, but ultimately it's even better than what we could have even imagined. God blesses us far beyond. And so there are some things in the momentary, there are some things in the, in the present that I'm having to say no to. There are some things in the present that I'm having to understand and I'm having to realize, you know what, this isn't the will of God, of God for my life today, but understanding that today isn't forever. Today is temporary. Eternity is forever. And my obedience today and my submission to the Lord today isn't just preparing me for what he has in my future on this side of heaven, but more so for my future on the other side of heaven because there are rewards and blessings that God gives us according to our obedience to follow his will and his plan for our lives. So when I submit to the Lord and I put my trust in him, I realize that his timing, his plans, his will are always perfect for my life. Always. My trust is in the Lord. Tell your neighbor, trust God. Tell your neighbor, trust God. If we trust in ourselves, we will always be disappointed. We will always be disappointed. Thirdly, my last point, gentleness. Um, listen, if you're reading this online or you're following me in the sermon notes online, I'm going to change this whole last point on you, okay? Um, and if you're writing this down, you can just... You can just ignore that. Because the Lord gave... Thanks. That was perfect. Great. Wait. Give it up for Rika. Thanks, buddy. So, so the, this, my last point is this. Gentleness, uh, gentleness produces endurance that leads me to the spiritual inheritance in my life. 
Gentleness produces endurance that leads me to the spiritual inheritance that God has for my life. Um, God, God has called us uh, to live submitted to him and trusting him. And God has called us to uh, endure. Tell your neighbor, you got to endure. One of the biggest things that we are seeing, that I'm seeing right now as a pastor, is people who are giving up. Believers who are giving up. Believers who are walking away. Uh, tell your neighbor, don't give up. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. We serve a God who is faithful to fulfill his word, and he is faithful to fulfill his plan, and he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not give up. The enemy wants you to do everything that you possibly can to give up. The enemy wants you to give up, to give in, to back down, to walk away, and to say, well, this, well, well God just isn't, God, God isn't interested in moving, or God isn't interested in working, or I've been faithful, and I've prayed, and I've served, and I've given, and I've done, and I've gone, and I haven't seen God. Friends, let me tell you today that the things that God does and the way that God moves cannot be measured by the world's standards. Yeah. I talked about it last week. We live by a different standard. Amen. And a standard is the way that the world measures things. And the world measures things by what the world can see and by what the world understands. But God measures things by His standard. God measures things according to His word and according to His standard. He measures things far different. And what happens in your life and mine when we are submitted to the Lord, when we're walking in the meekness and the gentleness that God has called us to, is that we're submitted before God. And what we are experiencing is the fulfillment of God's plan and His purpose and His promises, not only in my life, but in the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ and the lives of those not only who have gone before me, but those who are coming behind me. Because as the family of God and as the body of Christ, it's not about me. Tell your neighbor, it's not about me. It's not about me. We live in a world that it's all about me. Me, 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 mine, 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 mine. This is what's happening to me. This is what's going on in my life. This is what's happening to me. And friends, hear me today. God is always concerned about you, 110%. God is always concerned about you. But the problem with me and the attention being on me is that I open the door to the selfishness and I open myself up to stepping out of trusting God and being submitted to the will of God and walking in the humility that God's called me to and to being, well, I don't think God's done anything for me lately. I don't think other people have done enough for me lately. And we take this self-centered approach and open ourselves up to the lies and the deception of the enemy that takes our focus and our attention off of God, takes our focus and our attention off of the word of the Lord and what God has established and what God has purposed. And what happens is, is the enemy begins to use worry and fear and doubt and all of the other things, pressures from the world, pressures from the things that are happening around and outside of. And what happens is I begin measuring my life by the world's standards. And what happens when I begin measuring my life by the world standards is I take myself out of receiving the blessings and the benefits and the goodness of God's standards and God's word and God's plans and God's promises for my life. While God may not have done what I have prayed and hoped and believed for in my life, it does not mean that he will not do it. 
And if God didn't do it the way that I thought he would, it doesn't mean that he's not still good, that he's not still faithful, that he's not still true to his word, that he's not still accomplishing his will and his plan and his purpose and his promise. Because one thing I have read and I'm convinced of is that there is nothing in or out of this world that can separate me from the love of God. The only thing that can disqualify me, the only thing that can keep me from the love of God is if I myself choose to remove myself from it. No one in this world, not the most powerful man or woman on the face of the planet earth, not the most powerful demonic force under the earth, has the authority or the power or the ability to separate me from the love of God and the fulfillment of his will and his plan and his purposes in my life. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that there's not times and there's not moments where I have cried my eyes out to God, not understanding why he didn't do or why he didn't move or why he didn't work in the way that I thought he would. But at the end of the day, my, my walk with God, my spirit is submitted to the word of the Lord and to his plan and his will and his promises. And while I might not see the whole picture this side of eternity, I know that his plan and his will and his word and his promises are good and that it does not end, that it never fails, that he is everlasting from generation to generation to generation to generation. So there may be some things that God hasn't done in my life today, but he's used my life to position me and my family Family, my children and my children's children and their children for the fulfillment of his will and his plan and his promises. So while I might not see it with my physical eyes, what I feel in my spirit when I pray is that my God is working and my God is moving and my God is fulfilling his will and his plan and his promises. So what he's called me to do today is to endure, to hold the line, to not give up, to not back down, to not settle for the lies of the enemy, to not settle for what they're trying to shove on the next generation of this planet, but to pray and to fast, to get on our faces before God, and to believe that when the righteous live by faith, when we walk according to the fulfillment of the word of God, he does not fail. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The devil is a liar. Even in death, we have not lost. <laughs> Even in death. Even in death, I cannot be separated from the love of God. In fact, if you kill me, you just got me there for faster than I, and further than I could have ever been. It's why Paul said what he said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. The fulfillment of God's will, his plan, and his purposes is to understand that God is ultimately the one who is doing it. It's not about me, it's about him. And it's one of the hardest places to get to. It's one of the hardest places to be in. But when I come to that place, even with tears in my eyes, with my heart poured out in grief at what I have lost, of what I have suffered, of what I am enduring, I know that my God is faithful. I know that my God is good and I know that he's true and so instead of reacting and responding according to what I feel and what I think and what I see and what I know and what I understand I say to God not my will but yours be done if you don't ever do a single thing that I ask you for I'll continue to serve you faithfully I'll continue to pray without ceasing I'll continue to worship I'll continue to praise I'll continue to give. I'll continue to serve. I'll continue to love. I'll continue to go because you're faithful. I'll endure. 
I'll endure. I'll endure. Some of you know what I'm talking about this morning. You've endured some things. You've walked through some things. You've had every opportunity, and you've had every right, and you've had every, every moment and the standards of this world to give up on God, to walk away from what God has said and what God has spoken. But instead of giving in and fear and worry and doubt and anger and bitterness and resentment, you've known that God's standards and God's ways and God's word and how God works and how God moves cannot be understood in the world's standards and in the world's definition of things. So you've continued to press into God and you've continued to seek His face and you've continued to draw near to Him and you've seen the goodness of God as His presence has sustained, as His word has sustained, as the goodness and the graciousness of God has continued to minister to your heart and to your spirit. Something happens, church, when we walk and we live by the Spirit of God and we exercise the meekness and the gentleness that God has given us. Meekness is my will submitted to God. Submitted to the Lord. I never thought it would go this way. I never thought it would look like this. But my God is still faithful. And my God is still good. You know, so many of us have faced those things and we face those disappointments and we face those impossibilities. But think about it from think about it from the disciples' perspective when Jesus was crucified. That is not at all what any of them had envisioned. Most of them thought that God was coming to establish his kingdom on earth. And they were going to be a part of it. And then Jesus is killed. Talk about a change of plans. And all of them were so mournful and they were so overwhelmed with the disappointment of what had happened that when Jesus showed back up, they couldn't believe it. And that's exactly what the enemy tries to do in our lives. From the biggest things, from the biggest tragedies that we've walked through to even some of the smaller things in comparison to what others have faced, we face that same thing with the Lord. What if, God, what if God never answered another prayer of mine again? Would I still serve him? If he never did what I believe he has shown me and what I believe he has spoken to my heart to do, would I still trust him? Would I still trust him? Because so many times the world wants to say, well, you've prayed and you've asked and you believed and God hasn't done those things. Give up, walk away, move on. I can't. Because I've read from his word again and again about his faithfulness. And I've seen again and again his goodness. And I've seen his mercy. And I've experienced his love. And I've received his salvation. And I have a hope in heaven that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Here's a beautiful thing about trust in, in the Greek. Trust means, uh, trust means a deposit, something that's guaranteed, something that's entrusted to the beautiful thing about putting our trust in the Lord is us taking our whole life and saying, God, I trust you with my life, and I trust you with who I am. You know, it's a crazy thing to trust somebody with your life. You ever ridden with somebody that you wondered why you trusted them with your life? You know, parents, you know, your child's driving, they're in full control, and you're like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Lord, if you'll just get us home, I won't ever let them drive again. I promise, God, I won't, I won't. Just get us home, Lord, just get us home. You ever been with somebody, you're like, Lord, if I ever get off this bus, if I get ever, get, ever get out of this vehicle, I won't ever get back on them with it again. I promise, God, I promise I won't. Just get me home. Just get me home. Jesus, just get me home. <laughs> Why? Because that person has your life in their hands. 
One wrong move. One wrong move. And it could put you in serious, serious injury, serious harm. And, and here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing with that. When it comes to the Lord, when we put our trust in God, it's, it's the same thing. We're putting God in the driver's seat of our lives. And God starts, he starts taking some routes and he starts taking some turns. And we're like, what are you doing? You ever been like that with the Lord? What is this way? This isn't, this, <laughs> when I got in the car with you, this was a beautiful trip. But you're taking me down some roads and down some places and some things that I, I didn't know that this was part of the journey. I didn't want to go this way. You ever gone with somebody that wants to take a scenic route? I don't have time for scenic routes. We got to get there, right? And that's how we do the Lord. God, what are you doing? We ain't got time for no scenic routes. I don't have time to be where you've got me at. I don't have time to be going through what you've got me going through. I don't have time for this. I got to get to where, I got to get to the breakthrough. I got to get to the next season. I got to get to the destination. I got to go. I got to go. And God's saying, whoa, what, what's this about? Is this about the next thing I'm going to do in your life? Is this about the destination that you think or the miracle that you think or the thing? Or is it about the fact that you're with me? I learned that lesson from traveling with my wife. <laughs> at the time, she was my girlfriend, and we went to Ohio. And she, she, I picked her up at 4.30 in the morning, and we took off for Ohio. And I like, to try to, I like to try to beat my time. Any of you like to beat your time when you get on the road? You're like, last time we did this trip, it was 14 hours. This time, it's 13 hours and 55 minutes even. That's a win. That's a win. We'll take it. That's a win. You don't have time to use a bathroom. Don't eat, don't drink for 24 hours. Fast. Spend time with Jesus. She'll be fine. You know, pack something, pack some snacks, pack some drinks. We're not going in the gas station. We're getting gas and we're hitting the road. We don't have time for you to go in there and shop around and stretch your legs and walk around. We ain't got time for none of that. <laughs> right? So we take off at 4.30 in the morning. We get to Memphis. And you know what time it is? It's breakfast time. And so I said, well, I said, babe, what do you want? I said, you want some Chick-fil-A? You want some McDonald's? You want some drive-through, drive-through, drive-through. Pick it up and go. Eat in the car. It's fine. You can eat in the car. If you don't eat in your car, you can. It's revolutionary. It'll change your life. It makes your trip faster. And so Rihanna looks at me and she goes, I'd like to stop at Cracker Barrel. I said, I said you want a what? And she said, I want, I want to stop at Cracker Barrel. I want breakfast. She said, I want a good, how many of you like a good breakfast? Bacon, eggs, toast, or biscuits if you go to Cracker Barrel with apple butter. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And so I'm like, okay. You know, it's, you're in the dating phase, so you're like, whatever, you know. And on the inside, you're slowly like, oh. I think we can be in, in, 20, in and out in 25 minutes. I'm watching my watch. I'm like, we can do this. So I start telling her, and she's like, what's wrong? Do you not want to stop? And I said, I was thinking fast food. And so we go in, and we sat down, and it was the coolest thing. We go in, and we sit down, and they end up putting us at a table that's right by the fireplace. So sweet, so romantic, so wonderful. And we ate, and we had a great time. And she told me before we went in, she said, you need to relax. She said, you just need to enjoy the trip. You need to enjoy the journey. Let me tell you all, some of you all enjoy the journey so much that it takes you an extra 10 hours to get across the country. I don't have time for that. I can't. I can't. And so she told me, she said, you just need to relax. And now, we didn't make the 25-minute mark, but we were out in under an hour. And so I praise the Lord for that. We got back in the truck. And we got to talking about that. And she said, she said, for me, it's not about how fast we can get there. It's about the time that you and I have to spend with each other as we go. 
and to enjoy the journey. That's, isn't that sweet? Isn't that so sweet? And I got to thinking about that, and the Lord said, that's exactly how it is in this life that you're living. We get so worried about the next miracle, the next breakthrough, the next victory, the next thing that we see God do, that we can't ever stop to realize that even in the battles, He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Why? Because he wants to fellowship with us. He wants us to know, listen, it doesn't matter what happens in this life. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing today. God never leaves you and he never forsakes you. And he's faithful in every season and he wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you in this journey and in this season called life. He wants to walk with you because ultimately we're not living for this world. And at the end of the day, if we're being obedient to him and we're walking in fellowship and relationship with him, then no matter what we face, when the trials come, when the suffering comes, when the tribulations come, our faith is in him. And we're able to endure what we're walking through because we're walking through it with him. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, have we spent the time that he ultimately wants to have with us. And in that, God carries us through. God carries us through. And that endurance positions us for the life that he's purposed for us. And through that, we experience healing and the peace and the revelation. And we grow deeper and deeper in our knowledge and our revelation, our understanding of who he is as he shows more and more of himself to us. So I want to close with this. I know I kept you longer today. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Um, but I, I really just felt, I really felt like you needed this word today. And, uh, and if it wasn't for anybody else, then it was for me. Uh, but I just, the Holy Spirit, um, I just believe God really, really wanted to, to minister that to someone's heart today. Uh, Romans, uh, or Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 12. Babe, can I see your Bible? I want to read this out of the New Living Translation. Um, when it comes to us talking about, uh, when it comes to us talking about the fruit of the spirit, and what ultimately God has, uh, what God has said, we talked about faithfulness last, and then we've been talking about gentleness. And I know we had a little bit of a uh, interruption last week from the Holy Spirit, and He gave us a different a different message. Um, but in continuing with this series, we left off from Hebrews chapter eleven. In Hebrews chapter 12, and the Lord dropped this in my heart this last week. And the last couple verses of Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 19, 39, whatever that verse is. 39. It says, All these people <laughs> earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Hear me, hear me. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Are you and I willing to endure if we don't receive all that God has promised this side of heaven? Had it not been for the faithfulness and the trust in the Lord of these men and women, then the fulfillment of what God's plan and what God's purpose is wouldn't have been accomplished. Because see, we're, not only are we not living for ourselves today, and we're living for eternity, but we're also further positioning the church for the next, for the next thing that God wants to do. Because we're all a part of the body of Christ. 
We're all of peace, each one of us. I think it's why Paul says, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to. He himself didn't consider himself more highly than he ought to. In fact, by the, by the time it was the end of his life, his, his phrase was, I'm the chiefest of all sinners. I'm the worst of the worst of all of them. Why? Because the, the reality is, is only Christ is perfect. Only Christ is holy. He goes on to say in this, uh, it says in verse 40, for God, had res- for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in the struggle against sin. My future is in him. There's a cloud of witnesses on the other side of eternity that, are, that I believe are championing us on. That because of their faithfulness, because of their trust in the Lord, that today you and I are continuing that endurance, that perseverance, running the race that God has marked for us. And knowing that when it's all said and done, I have been faithful to fulfill what God has called me to not measured by the standards of this world, but measured by the standards of God. He's faithful, church. He's faithful, church. And even if I don't receive all that he's promised this side of eternity, what I have received, the salvation of my soul, and the deposit that's been entrusted to him, 1 Peter, I don't have time to read it this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven for me. So today, I'm on the journey with Jesus. To walk in the meekness and the gentleness that God has called me to, I've got to throw off every weight and every worry and every sin that so easily entangles. And hear me today. If the Holy Spirit is revealing things in your life that you and I are picking up and that we are carrying that we need to put down, now is our moment whether it's a worry, whether it's a fear, whether it's an anxiety in our life, whatever it is. Because ultimately, God's not called us to carry those. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Why? Because Jesus ultimately wanted to teach us. He said, I'll teach you how to carry, how to walk with the things that I have equipped, with the things that I have prepared, with the things that I have purposed.